1: Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 23rd. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So earlier with the voicemail, somebody had called in and said that Donald Trump is so nice and he's so kind and so sweet. (laughs) In fact, that he might consider putting Ron DeSantis in his cabinet or as even vice president. Right, yeah, absolutely. However... Donald Trump himself has come out and said that that is highly unlikely. Let's listen.
2: Is there a possibility, since you say it's water under the bridge, he can be vice president or serving your cabinet? He hasn't asked mm. for any of those positions, no, I he don't is. Think no, he But is there a possible of the joining of forces? Well, it's probably unlikely, but you know, I have to be honest, everything's a possibility, but I think it's highly unlikely. I have a lot of great people. And I have great people that have been with me right from the beginning. What is your message to someone that would have voted for Ron DeSantis or supported them? What do you tell them now that he's endorsed you? Well, I think it just... Uh It sort of magnifies, if I can say that, because he and I had very, look, I want strong borders. He wanted strong borders. I want low taxes. I gave you the largest tax cut in history. Nobody ever, bigger than the Ronald Reagan tax cut. He wants that. I want a strong military. He wants that. Uh, He doesn't want wars, although I may be a little bit even more so in that not wanting wars. We have wars in places that nobody ever heard of before, and we're losing. You know, you talk about blood and wealth. We
0: lose so stupidly. And a lot of the things that he wanted, I wanted. And I think, you know, I, in fact, I noticed people commentary. there saying, well, all of those people that would be for him would be for Trump. Mm-hmm.
1: So he said that he appreciated his endorsement and but he didn't see him serving in his administration or as his running mate.
2: Can we just talk about something that it just really perplexes me? And um, I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble and that guy's going to get mad and call back. But it is this infallible worship Mm -hmm. of Trump. Mm -hmm. It is one thing to say, I want Biden out. Uh, Trump is the nominee. I want him to win. I'm on board. Great. Okay, got it. Fine. In, In the club, in the, you know... Said many times, an orange peel over Obama, anything over Obama. This, this, you mean re- Biden? Uh, yes, Biden, same thing. Whatever. Same guy. This, d- this, this duck that you mm-hmm. put on your jeep right mm-hmm. here, that's mm-hmm. sitting here. This plastic duck. Anything over over Biden. However, it is really concerning when you get phone calls like that about the infallible, gracious Mister Trump mm-hmm. type of thing, mm-hmm. because what is happening with guys like that? You are never holding Trump accountable. And every single one of us, no matter who the president is, Democrat or Republican, Trump or Biden, DeSantis or Biden, whoever it would be, we should all be on our guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week, holding these people to account. And that phone call we got was ridiculous, Casey. Oh, Trump, he's such a nice guy. Oh, he might, you know, graciously let DeSantis be in the administration there is nothing Trump could do that that guy would be critical of because he's been calling this radio show mm-hmm. for years now right and no matter what Trump does there's always an excuse for it we we have got to get past that these politicians whoever they are that we have some knee-jerk reaction to defend them vote for whoever you want support whoever you want but we have Got to be holding these people to account because when we don't, and we when we defend whatever they do, we get 2020. And what Trump did in 2020 was inexcusable.
1: So we did get a phone call from somebody, and I don't know if we should share it now or if we should save it till tomorrow. Perhaps is
2: it going to be better than the guy who said my name should be Rob the Baptist?
1: Um, no, but she's answering the question which you ask often: oh. Why vote for Trump? It's it's a woman explaining. Well, I don't think I've said why vote for Trump.
2: I think I've said I'm voting for Trump.
1: You've you've said why excuse, I guess. Well, that's wait,
2: but the, okay, different. But, yeah, but this is my point, Casey. It is way different what I'm saying on whether you're going to vote for somebody or not, than whether I'm saying why is everything he does, why does he get excused. I mean, the, those are two totally different
1: animals. Well, her reasoning was that he's the general, and that's why she feels compelled to follow Trump.
2: Do we have the phone call? Maybe if we heard the phone call, that might help me a little bit, because right now this is not making any sense.
0: Hi there. I listen to you guys a lot and enjoy your show. Uh, Just wanted to comment on President Trump. Um, I I noticed that on some of the shows, uh, I'm not sure about you guys, definitely Tony Katz. You guys, some are... uh, referring to Trump's campaign as the Trump revenge tour. Um, that isn't true. It, I, a Trump supporter, obviously, but um, it is our, we, the people, it is our revenge tour. They stole the election from Trump, which means they stole it from us. They are destroying our country. They are taking our youth. Uh, We went them back, and we're coming to get them. And Trump is our general. He isn't our God, although we pray to God for his health and his successful election. Um, He is a missile. He's unafraid. He's the only person that seems to be unafraid.
2: Okay, so I would be fascinated—thank you for listening—to have a conversation with that woman. And if I were to look at her and say— true or false 2020 was completely unacceptable what the answer would be i i would i would almost be willing to guarantee you she would not give me a straight true or false answer when i were if i were to look at her and say 2020 unacceptable Mm -hmm. if she did say unacceptable then my follow-up question to her would be what do the only trump people which i would put her in that Camp. Yeah. And again, I thought Tony had a great analogy of this yesterday. And you know how I'm loath to agree or say anything nice about Tony, but I thought he was spot on with this analogy driving home. We offered a different solution. Clearly, the base of the Republican Party, the 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 only the only Trump movement is strong enough. They said we don't want an alternative. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. I'm gonna vote for Trump and and support Trump, but you have made it so that alternatives are not possible fine you win what is your plan and i thought tony asked this question it was a great question what is your plan because it's on you we told you we think the guy has serious problems getting across the finish line trump has serious problems with independent voters trump has serious problems with women suburban voters which Mm -hmm. will decide elections so what is your plan what is trump's plan to get across the finish line because you can't come to us and say you better no, no 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 we better nothing You better, Mm -hmm. because you are the people who rejected every person but Trump that was put up in front of you. So that is on you to come up with a plan to get this guy across the finish line and simply saying, and I don't disagree with her about serious issues with the election. I don't disagree with uh, with her about their stealing the country from us. I don't disagree with any of that. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is how do you win in 2024? And I have yet to see Donald Trump Behave in a way, or put a plan forward that will win the people necessary, and that will overcome previous—how should I word this in a nice way? Previous misgivings mm-hmm. that other
1: voters have had about his leadership and his plan. Well. There are a couple of things. I mean, we played it this morning when we started the show. He said that he would shut down the border. He would seal the border. He would start deportation. So when polling comes out and says immigration is the top concern among voters and Donald Trump is saying, you know what, I'm going to shut down the border, I'm going to reverse all these Biden policies, that is speaking directly to the people with concerns. He says things like drill, baby, drill, when the economy is the second concern and he wants to make us energy independent. Those are two talking points right there of him saying, this is what I'm going to do. It is.
2: And those are concrete policy positions. And those are great. And right now he's doing that for this week Mm -hmm. in time. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and it's just like being in a relationship with If you have someone, Casey, who you're in a relationship or a marriage with who has a pattern of behavior, and that pattern of behavior might not be the most productive for a successful marriage, that person might change for a week. But what about next week? And what about the week after? And the problem with Trump is there are moments where he is just, I saw somebody post this the other day who does not like Trump and and they even admitted it. They said, I can't stand this guy. You know, I think he wants to be a dictator, but he is the funniest person alive. And they're right. There are so many moments where with Trump, you're just like, perfect, Mm -hmm. 100 percent spot on, wonderful, amazing. You hit it out of the park. But then he follows it up and you are like, dude. What's going on?
1: Well, and it's also the execution of it because you can stand on a stage and you can list off all the talking points that you know your base mm-hmm. wants to hear, but it's actually making it happen.
2: I want to know from the only Trump people mm-hmm. how, if, first of all, if they're willing to say 2020 was unacceptable. If you're if you're not willing to say 2020 is unacceptable, then there's no point in us even having this conversation. But if we can all agree, which... Again, other than that guy who calls all the time, I would hope reasonable people, normal <laughs> people could agree, 2020, just as all the Biden stuff afterwards is unacceptable. So if we can agree 2020 was unacceptable, I want to hear how, what safeguards are going to be in place to prevent it, Trump from doing that. Again, I'm not going through, I'm not going going to bat for some guy who's going to do 2020 all over again because what's the next thing it could be a pandemic it could be a military strike it could be a terrorist attack i am not all in on this guy yet like i said i'll vote for him but i want to know just because there's some crisis we don't suspend the rights of humans to go to work we don't we don't suspend people's ability to make a living we you know we don't force people to wear masks we don't put uh, air quote, scientists mm-hmm. like Dr. Fauci right. in charge of society. And Trump gave all that away.
1: So what's he going to do if it were to happen again? Right. What, what would be different this time?
2: Exactly. And that doesn't make you a never-Trumper and it doesn't make you an unreasonable person. In fact, it makes you the sort of thing we should want from everyone, which is how do we hold these people mm-hmm. accountable? And even if you love Trump, you should want to hold him accountable because what he does affects you sometimes the 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 lust to win the 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 need to win or the need to feel vindicated trumps no pun intended everything else and if you're going to be for trump then how do we make, ensure that the trump presidency is a success and successful more most importantly on the grounds of liberty and freedom for all americans hey, is, i was just going to say when we come back I, yeah. I, I, this story just broke from indy star mm-hmm. and I have been hounded by people over the past week about this story, and I I want to dive into it. We're going to have a guest on Friday who is affected by this, but I don't want to wait till Friday because, you know, Casey, mm-hmm. my least favorite part of every show is what? Being right. And we told you for three years on this show, when uh, Lockdown McGee was handing out Medicaid dollars like they were going out of style, we told you for three years- that this was going to end in disaster, and it is now ending in disaster, and people with very high risk, special needs kids are getting drilled right between the eyes with a sledgehammer. Why? Because they were a billion dollars short on Medicaid, mm-hmm. and they got to make it up somewhere. Accounting areas. And this is a huge, huge, huge story. And so I want to delve into it, di- delve it, dive into it when we when we come back. But that's all right.
1: Yep. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Minutes after 11, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIVC. So we remind you that a while ago there was a forecasting error back in December with the state's Medicaid, a $1 billion budget shortfall. And, well, that's that's no big deal, right?
2: What's a billion dollars amongst friends, Casey? Right?
1: Well, guess what? That money's got to come from somewhere.
2: So we told you when the previous blonde lady was in your spot... As much as three years ago when because keep in mind, Holcomb made very clear, because there reached a point where it was stupid. I mean, it was just stupid and insulting to still have an emergency. I mean, it was, you know, way past COVID and bars are open and blah, blah, blah. And finally, McGee, Holcomb, High Tax, whatever we're calling him today, admitted, I'm keeping this emergency declaration open because of the federal money. Yeah, this is a joke, but I'm keeping this open for the federal money. And we said from the beginning, and especially as this got stupid, we said, everybody better wake up to what's happening here because this is a scam and he's involved in legalized vote buying and he wants everybody to love him. And on his way out the door, he will screw you because Holcomb doesn't care about anybody but Holcomb and those establishment Republicans don't care about anybody but themselves and they will screw you. So you think there's some magic money bin that this, is coming out of do not get used to this and you you people are going to pay for this big time and sure enough casey because the federal money on the medicaid supplement is running out the state is now looking around going we got all these people on medicaid Mm -hmm. and now we got a big problem because we don't have the money to pay for it so as you said They finally admitted, Mm -hmm. billion-dollar error Mm -hmm. in their estimates. It's amazing that the radio guy three years ahead of time can get it right, but the state with their gajillion dollars that they're dedicating towards something and all their employees can't get it right. But that is what it is. Of course, nobody's been fired because that's not what they do over there. But now they've said, we got to find a billion dollars, which we told you they were going to have to do three years ago. So their plan on this, part of their plan on this, the state, to make up this shortfall – as we told you was going to happen is they are going to attack in-home healthcare provided by guardians, Mm -hmm. parents, loved ones. Right. So if you have, say, and I'm just making this up as, as an example, if you have a highly autistic son and you say, Hey, there's nobody who can actually care for this kid the way that I can. And, um, I'm gonna, as the parent, be the best possible person to take care of this this kid, uh, and I'm gonna forego going to work anymore. I'm not gonna put him in a in a home. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna put him, in, you know, in a 24-hour care facility. I'm going to, as a parent, do the right thing and take care of my highly at-risk, highly disabled kid. The state of Indiana previously had said. We will supplement that and we will pay you a fee. And I think it's different for everybody, but it could be up to like $14 an hour. Mm-hmm. So nobody's getting rich. Right. And trust me, as a now new parent who thankfully, God bless, God God lovingly has blessed my child thus far to not have any of these disabilities, it is a full-time job to take care of a very smart, high develop, you know, high achieving whatever you want to call it child, mm-hmm. like just to have to watch a child mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's huge. I can't even imagine what it is like if you have, have to do that for someone. Who's that, dependent. Right, that needs around mm-hmm. the clock care 24 hours a day, seven days a week and, and, and so the state, because they have to come up with this money, because they gave so many benefits to so many people, they have decided the first area, one of the first areas they're going to attack is cutting off the money that is going to to these parents who have given up their ability to work so that they can stay home and care for their kids and they're yanking the money away Mm -hmm. from them.
1: Um, Okay, so how much, the cost quadrupled back in 22, over the last year, and they're expecting it to be even higher.
2: Yeah, but the problem with this, Casey, is they put so many people on the rolls. This is what I'm talking about. There were so many people who qualified because of this emergency declaration and the state was throwing money at people like it was going out of style, they put a colossal amount of people, who by the way, should have never not been working to begin with, if Holcomb had left the state open, if Eric Holcomb had allowed people to go to work and businesses to be open, things like employer health insurance would have continued to go, but no, Holcomb and the Republicans recognized, if we shut this state down, we will get this federal money, which means we can go to these people and go, Hey, look who gave you the health insurance. In an election year, Sweet Daddy Holcomb is taking care of you. Sweet Daddy Holcomb is making sure that your bills are paid and that your doctor, doctor's visits but are covered. But now they're going
1: to yank it all away. Exactly. I mean, is the plan to no longer pay these parents or Correct. spouses who are caring Correct. for the elderly a, or disabled loved
2: ones? Whatever it is. I think June is the is the deadline on this or ju- first of July. So if you, and this is how stupid government is. If you are a parent who's taking care of your loved one, by the way, $14 for a highly disabled individual, that's a bargain. And by the way, these parents also, many of them go out of their way to learn how to do this better than even in-home health providers can do it. Now the deal is if you go out and get someone who's, air quote, qualified, mm-hmm. like professionally qualified, sure. then you can that person can get paid to take care of your loved one. So we're going to have somebody on Friday who is going through this, but I didn't want to wait because this is just the story starting to break and I didn't want to wait two days to cover it, but we'll, we're going to do a deep dive on how gross this is. This person who will be with us Friday told me this. So, so she has, um, she has three kids. One of them is highly disabled. If her, and she has custody of, she's divorced, but the dad is involved, the biological father, very involved, good dad. She's a nurse by trade. If she were to relinquish custody of this child, I think mm-hmm. he's 13 or 14 years old now, give legal custody to her ex-husband, and then she were to go over to her ex-husband's house mm-hmm. he and provide have... the service, she would get paid because she's a light, she's eligible to be a provider. Is, that you... be...
1: Is it because she's a nurse? You're or right. Because... Okay, she's doing the
2: same oh. thing she would be doing before. It... But because the government decided they wanted to stick their nose in this and because the government made promises they knew they could never keep so that Eric Holcomb and the establishment wing of the Republican Party could participate in legalized vote buying, Mm -hmm. now they've screwed it up for everyone and they have an absolute disaster. So he could turn around
1: and hire her as a nurse. How stupid is that? So make it more difficult for her and also to be separated from her child.
2: Yes! Everything we told you was going to happen in 2020 and 2021, Casey, it was so obvious and Eric Holcomb is gross and the people around him are just pathetic, disgusting human beings. They're pathetic, disgusting human beings that these people who are uber qualified to take care of their kids, who want to take care of their kids, are now no longer going to be able to take care of their kids. They're going to have to go get jobs and pay strangers to take care mm-hmm. to take care of their loved ones. It's, it's gross.
1: It's going to be an interesting uh, conversation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And she'll be in on Friday. All right. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. 1135 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the 9th District Republican Chairman Jamie Knoll has tendered his resignation from his position. He sent out an email to the state chairman Ann Hathaway informing her that he was stepping down in the next 30 days.
2: This story is so wild Casey. We've reported on this multiple times and it just keeps getting weirder. So Jamie Knoll was the sheriff of Clark County. Mm -hmm. That's Jeffersonville. Uh, He was very very close to the governor. We done this you know report on this before of all these photos of them together their governor holcomb would show up at his kids events i mean just incredibly close ties to the governor and jamie noel was on the central committee which makes him one of the 20 most powerful republicans in the state of indiana well now jamie noel is facing i believe it's 15 felony counts related to his time uh, in public office and it's all sorts of uh, corrupt business practice, ghost employment, official misconduct, theft, and tax evasion. Um, it's come out now as part of all of this that he fathered a child, which everybody, by the way, everybody in the political class knew that he had a uh, fathered a child with an, another woman who was a, a former uh, county council member. And um, He's alleged of making child support payments out of a you know, a, a government related fund. I mean, it's just that if these allegations against this guy are true, mm-hmm. what a just complete dirtbag this guy uh this Well, guy he's is. accused
1: of paying employees to run his personal errands, oh, yeah. work on his property while on the clock, and all of it being paid with county funds.
2: So this is the question because look, this guy it appears was very corrupt. I, I met him years ago in something. Seemed very off about him, and I was ultimately proven correct. But uh, here is the question the media should be asking, and for some reason is not asking. Jamie Knoll and Eric Holcomb are about as close as two people could be. And how is it that the governor of the state of Indiana, this guy was doing all of these things mm-hmm. and was living a life by all accounts and paying for stuff with this child that he had with another woman on a sheriff's salary? And the governor of the state who, I mean, I don't know if you could say best friends, but pretty darn close, didn't know mm-hmm. any of this mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. Like if for some reason Hammer just started living a life of luxury yeah. and somehow fathered another child and she was driving around in fancy cars and also, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, I would be going, hey, that's pretty odd. I wonder how Hammer is paying for all of that stuff. It would be a rational question that any person would ask if one of their very, very good friends suddenly started leading a life far beyond the means that their employment had previously mm-hmm. provided. And yet we are led to believe, and nobody is asking the governor about his very, very close friend who is charged with, I believe it's 15 felony counts and is a one of the 20 most powerful Republicans in in the state was on the state central committee was a county chairman was a was a former sheriff and now in the court hearing the other day It appears his wife may be a part of
1: this. Yeah, they're bringing charges against her. As well.
2: We don't know for sure yet, but based on the correspondence between the prosecutor and the judge, it appears the wife may be roped into this. And yet nobody—the media always lets this governor skate. Somebody—of course, I'd do it, but they would say it wouldn't serve Hoosiers well, uh, and I would be shot on sight if I got within Mm -hmm. 30 feet of the Mm -hmm. guy—needs to walk up to the governor and go, hey— McGee, what -hmm. did you know and when and how could you possibly not have known that one of your bestest buddies in the whole world was living this life far above what? A reasonable person would assume based on the job he had. How did you not know about this? Well, and
1: I think it's also interesting that investigators are looking into this automobile collection, which includes 133 (laughs) vehicles, but the vehicles are registered to the Utica Township Volunteer Fire Department.
2: Yeah, again, this is according to Abdul. So Abdul has the whole story. Go to IndiePolitics.org and read all about this. Hey, somebody in the media, do your job and ask the governor about
1: this. Micah Beckwith is going to Join us next. He's been sending you a lot of pictures lately. We have to get to the bottom of that. It's on the way from 93 WIBC. It is the
2: Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey. Sarah and Casey, I can't think of a better way to wrap up our program than with the conservative voice of the state of mm-hmm. Indiana. And now, apparently, based on this new list out from Brian Howie, Howie Politics, one of the power brokers. Is he super important? Well, he's made the list of 24 power 50 coming in at number 22. Wow. Mike, back with, hey, well, how's the old chant go back with, you're 22, you're
3: 22. <laughs> What 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 is well, this? I'm technically tied for 22, so uh, you know, so I don't know, maybe I'm 23 or 24. So yeah, look uh, at that. You're
2: you're on there with Elise Nishala. She's the the person who lost the race for state treasurer, and then uh, because she didn't add with Holcomb, Holcomb appointed her to the comptroller. Is that right?
3: Hey, I will say this about Elise. I think she is really qualified to be the comptroller. I think she actually has what it takes to do a good job as the comptroller. Now, again, I'm not a Holcomb fan, but Listen, doesn't mean that, you know, a a blind squirrel can't find a nut every now and then. And I think Holcomb did a good job in appointing her because now I would have I would have advocated for Tara Klutz to serve out her term. I don't know the the backstory and why she left, but I'm always asking, you know, people in politics, hey, when you run for something, serve out your term and uh, and then you'll, you know, then then move on. But. Okay, so what is this? So, I thought
2: humility was supposed to be a part of the church, but you sent me this photo of this Howie politics, and he circled it, Casey. Yeah, As humorous. you see right here, he circled it. So that means he desperately wants to talk about it. That's not true.
1: He wanted, you to, true. He wanted was- to make sure you saw there, where he was. There was
2: a no-context no. text, Micah, with just this article, and your name circled in a just big, bold circle. So go ahead, Micah, brag yeah. about your accomplishment. You're in Howie's top top no, 50 whoa. most powerful people. Go You're ahead.
3: Always- You're always texting me. You're saying, hey, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? What's going on tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, Indiana politics, (laughs) we talk about everything. Like, well, this was interesting, at least. And I don't know why they picked me, but for some reason they thought I was – I made the list. And, again, it's a Howie, so I don't – you know, it's it's uh it's like Abdul's cheat sheet. You uh-huh. gotta you know take it with a grain of salt, but it's interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot of people on there that are uh, that are doing important things around the state, and uh, you know, Trump was number one on the list, obviously, and I thought that was cool. But but anyway, that's uh, I'm just trying to give you content, oh. Rob, because you you can't make up your own content. So, what are,
1: what are the qualifications to get on the list, Micah?
3: Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how they do it. Um, I I think when they talked about. Um, me and Elise, I think they would just kind of said, Hey, these are what the like Mike and Elise are doing. Here's what some of the people are, are, you know, running on. Here's why they might be an important player in 2024. Now keep in mind, this is all speculation. I mean, it could, it could flop. I could fall to number 62, right? I could say like, which again, I don't know. I don't know how they, they come up with that. But I think with one of the reasons they said with me, they said, you know, Mike, uh, and I do think this is true. I, I think we are, making a dent in the process running for Lieutenant governor was such kind of this outside the box approach to this office where people finally are looking around saying, why don't we do this more often? And I think, I think it's really about influence. I think they're saying, Hey, these are people who are influencing the system, or these are the people who are going to bring change, you know, for good or bad. I mean, Biden's number three or four on the list, I think. I, so, you know, obviously, you know, Biden's going to be an important role, but he's not certainly somebody that's going to do uh, good things for our state. So, so all that to say, I think it's just something that, you know, keep an eye on these people and and kind of there'll be an interesting uh, there'll be interesting influencers in the 2024 years. So, uh, Mike, so back think,
2: with our yeah. guest now done bragging about the powerful uh, level <laughs> to which he has ascended in the Indiana political game. Uh, seriously, though, back with they're desperately afraid of you. You raised a whole bunch of money. Uh, you spent a whole bunch of money and wacky pastor guy who no one takes serious is not that anymore. I mean, they know they're going to have to fight to the death to beat you at that convention this year which I love. I love watching the establishment squirm. And if I were Braun, I'd just say right now I'm picking Beckwith.
3: Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's always good when you make the establishment scared, right? Again, that's why I, that's why I like Donald Trump so much. I mean, he's making the establishment scared. He's not perfect. He didn't do everything right. I mean, he, he debacled, uh, the COVID situation with putting Fauci in that, in that role. So he has not been perfect, but what I love about him is he scares the living daylights out of the bureaucratic, uh, tyrannical state that we have right now. And so I think that's a, that's a good thing. I think when people in power fear the people, that means a healthy, free society. You never want the government to stop fearing the people. That's why our founders were so insistent on uh, making sure we had the right to bear arms making sure we had the right to vote making sure we had the right to free speech it's to make those in power fear the people that they represent and that is a very healthy thing for our republic and we need to we need to maintain that as as uh, over everything in my opinion. Hey uh, you, you sent me more of, he, he sent me more photos of himself Casey mm-hmm. this is basically just What's our, going on this is the <laughs> show
2: prep it's, just, it's just, we're just out of context photos oh man <laughs> well, I know what you look like Beckwith I don't need to see photos of you you could have just said hey I went to the right to life march yesterday
3: i'd like to talk about that instead it's like it's just a photo collage i'm not gonna waste time texting i have so many things i have to type up and write i am just literally gonna send you a picture and you can add the context so okay so i guess there was a right to life march
2: downtown yesterday would you like to talk about that
3: (laughs) yes thank you rob for the platform and for all you're doing in in our state i would love to talk about that i uh (laughs) So, yeah, we were down there. Now, I didn't know what to expect. This was the Indianapolis uh, Right to Life march, and, you know, after the Dobbs decision um, in 22, we, we, you know, I just I didn't know how much passion we were still going to see in our state. It's important because we are not done fighting. Really, the battle is just beginning in my opinion, but sometimes people think, oh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Uh, We're good now, And, and that's not the case at all. All they did was throw the decision back to the states, and so now the battle's really at the state level, and I think we had the largest turnout at this march uh mark tuttle who is the uh the head of indianapolis right to life he got up and he he said this looks like the largest turnout that we've ever had in indianapolis doing doing the the march which was really encouraging we had tons of students there i'd say the majority of the people um that were there were uh between the ages of probably 14 and, and 20 so it was really cool to see gen z um, getting out and, and standing for life. And I think we are really turning the tide on the culture to say, Hey, abortion shouldn't just be illegal. It should be unthinkable. And that's really the goal in going forward is to, is to educate people on why this is really taking an innocent life. Abortion isn't just uh, a woman's right to do something with their body. It's, it's another body. This is another person and you don't have a right to kill or murder another person. And so that's, uh, that's really what we're, we're doing right now in Indianapolis. We got to shore up our abortion laws, although we are leading the way in Indiana. There's a lot of loopholes in our abortion ban. One of them being uh, if you can have an abortion if it's in the case of rape um, and uh, sexual assault. But here's the problem. You don't have to report that to the police. You don't have to. You can just go to the doctor and say, hey, I was raped and I want to have an abortion. Well, that's, that's not good. I mean, if you were raped, we need to find the person that did this and bring him to justice. And, and, but they just basically, you know, it's, it's the person's word that, and, and again, that's, that's not, I mean, people are going to abuse that all day long and just say, Oh yeah, I'll just say whatever I need to say so I can continue to have abortion. So we got to, we got to shore up some of our law uh, in Indianapolis for sure. But, but well, we're on the right. We're on the right path, and we're doing good
2: work. Yeah, I saw that the Democrats. Uh, oh, what's that on-demand abortion advocate who's running for attorney general? What's her name? Destiny, Destiny, Wells. Destiny Wells. Destiny Wells. Yeah, she was just. Uh, <laughs> she was uh, just euphoric yesterday that that abortion uh, doctor Caitlin Bernard got some sort of award for the abortions that she uh, does. T- touch, I mean, I guess it, it was award like or something? it's very weird that. You are celebrating someone who does this thing. I don't know. I think that's just very a very odd, Micah. Yeah, they're
3: doubling down on abortion for sure, and I I think that's a really uh, that's a really bold move uh, for to say the least in uh, in Indiana, especially because we are pro life state. We have seen the evils of what abortion is, and it's not. It's, this is not pro reproductive rights. I mean, they always say it's reproductive rights, and I was talking to a group of uh, political science majors down at IU about a year and a half ago, and they're all upper class, and they would not call it pro-abortion. I kept saying, you guys are pro-abortion. Like the whole class was a bunch of liberal leftists. I mean, like there wasn't one conservative in this entire IU political science class. I mean, that should tell you something right there. And they were all saying, don't, don't call us pro-abortion. We're not pro-abortion. We're pro-reproductive rights. Uh-huh. I said, no, you're pro-abortion. <laughs> yeah. You're pro-abortion. You want to kill children and you think it's just a, it's what the mafia does. You make a mistake you you do something that leads to a, a a consequence. You have sex, which leads to you getting pregnant, and now you just want to cover it up by taking somebody's life. I said this is wrong, and and they couldn't tell me where life begins. That's the problem. It's they all believe it's something different. I yesterday there was a lady who didn't know who I was. She was standing on the sidewalk, and I just happened to to kind of bump into her. I was getting a picture of the whole wall of yourself. Wrote, one of the nine million know, pictures yeah. you sent me of yourself at the no, event. one, one no, of the many selfies. No. <laughs> Well, if you would just follow me around and take pictures, Rob, I wouldn't have to. <laughs> he needs you as
1: paparazzi.
3: <laughs> so there's this lady standing next to me. And she was smoking a cigarette, and she looked at me and she looked at the um, at the the march. And I I was kind of coming up to join the march, so I wasn't in the in the march right away. And uh, I just wanted to get a picture of all the people. And uh, and she she looked at me and she rolled her eyes at at me and the, and the March. So I could tell that she had an issue. And I said, well, I said, Hey, this is pretty cool. Don't you think and she said, she said, these people aren't really pro-life. I said, Oh really? And, uh, and I said, why not? Why do you say that? Because they don't care about life after, after the baby's born. And I said, well, it's funny that you say that because um, like, when would, when does life begin? Like we, I believe you and I probably both believe that it's wrong to kill a child. And she said, yeah. I said, so when does life begin in your mind, in your mind? And she said, when, when the baby starts breathing. So, so all the way up until the baby comes out of the womb and it starts breathing. And even, even sometimes it takes a few seconds for the baby to start breathing. Right. So I said like, well, you know, sometimes it, they got to pat that baby on the back to get yeah. it to start breathing. So, would you say within the few seconds that the baby's out of the womb, that it's not breathing, you could still kill it? And she then she looked at my 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 jacket. And uh, she saw my name on it. And, and she said, Oh, she said, I know you. I don't believe anything that you stand for. You're a book banner. You book banner. <laughs> and she walked away. She flicked her cigarette at you.
2: That's going to be my new thing with you, Casey. You're a book banner. No, I'm I don't not. believe anything you say. All right, we got to go. Back with you. You're the best. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate
1: you. And thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. Tony Katz is going to be up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.